Welcome to the family with Tom Bernard and co-host Catherine Brandt, Tevin Pittman, Alex Brandt, Bernard Rasmussen, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. Got a lot of good guests today. Uh, matter of fact, Mike Lindell wants to call in and talk about the fact that he's a movie star now. Wow. Unbelievable. So I'll probably have him call in during Timmy Lammers' deal. Nice. Does that sound good? Yeah, sure. sure. All right, we'll be right back. Kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. No business I know. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Timmy Lammers joins us to talk about uh, Hollywood and how Hollywood needs to shorten their movies by at least a half an hour. (laughs) I I would like to know, explain this part of it to me. If you've ever taken a business class or know anything about business at all, you offer as many items a day as you can. So instead of making two-and-a-half-hour movies, why don't they make one-and-a-half-hour movies more people would come, plus instead of showing the movie four times a day, you could show it six times a day and get six different uh, groups of people buying tickets instead of four. It's just a bad business model, isn't I, it? I think so, Tommy. Can you hear me? I mean, it's just, yeah, I can hear you fine. Are you okay? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I agree. I agree. I, I personally, I'm glad that you love Dumbo. I mean, it is a great movie. Loved it. 
And it's too bad that critics are pissing all over it. I think that actually hurts the box office. I don't it get does, it. Yeah. I don't get what is not to love about that film. You know, the interesting thing is, um, I, I told you, I, I think last week, that I had screened it twice, two days in a row, mm -hmm. one with my wife, yes. one with my kids. And on IMDb, it says it's two hours and ten minutes, which is not the case. No. It's an hour and nope. 50 minutes. So, That's I mean, now look, I mean, yes, that, that original was 64 minutes long, and they, yep. you know, basically retold, compacted that original story, took out all the uh, politically incorrect parts, and then they created a new story to find out what happens to Dumbo after it's discovered that he can fly. So I can understand that. I mean, I, I don't think, especially with the way that film was set up originally, there's no way they could have straight up remade it, nor would have Tim Burton had an interest in doing that. Um, but yes, I mean, it does make sense that you get in as many showings as possible, but yeah. the case uh, with a film like, a, a director like Martin Scorsese, for example, or uh, the Rousseau brothers who directed the Avengers movies, um, which have become billion-dollar smashes, they get clout, and therefore the studio can't dictate to them how long their movies can run. So then it's carte blanche as far as run times are concerned. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan's another guy. I love Chris Nolan's work, but he's another guy who basically comes in and he gets the final cut, and that's just the way it works. So... As a result, and I know you're not going to see this anyway, the runtime for Avengers Endgame, which Michael Bryant and I are going to screen in a couple weeks, is three hours and two minutes long. Oh, wow. Really? Uh, Why okay. do you like that so oh, much? They could, I love the Avengers movies. They could make that oh. a 12-hour movie and I would sit through the entire thing in one yeah, second. But again, you know, business-wise... <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have to make up a showing a day at least. I know. In order to make yes. that money back. Now, the last one was well, like 227 So, but yeah, there's no question. Unless, you know what? This thing is so hot ticket sale-wise, though. At least for the first couple, first weekend, they're going to be playing it around the clock. So maybe they'll make yeah. it up that way. If they're going to make really long movies, why don't they bring back the old intermission so that the theater can make a bunch of money on yeah. popcorn and, you know, all that stuff? Yeah, or just it, get it up is, and leave. It is, it is a good, que you know, good question why they don't do that. And in fact, I didn't screen it, but I know in, in theaters I actually screened it on a screener disc because it was around award season. But Hateful Eight was the last film that I'm aware of that was, a, I think, a three-hour, 11-minute runtime where they actually did have an intermission. Um, but, yeah, this, to put this Avengers thing into perspective, we're talking about this is five minutes longer than The Godfather. Okay. Wow. I yeah, mean, I know. God. Three hours and two minutes for that. I mean, I'm sorry. Ooh. I what? love superhero films. They're wearing me out a little bit. Uh, Captain Marvel it was starting to show some wear for me. Um, I I don't know, man. They're going to have to do something really spectacular in those three hours because it's going to be a full three hours because everybody will stay stay until the end credits to see that teaser scene for the mm -hmm. next film. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of times. You know, they got long run times, but the, the, the credits are 10 minutes. So that's actually included as part of the runtime. But, again, people will stick around and spend their entire three hours and two minutes in the theater. Plus, you're right, Tom, um, half hour of previews. Half, half hour. 
Yep. Half hour, yep. And yep. I really, I thought that was really stupid because it, I don't know what age bracket that Dumbo was made for, but it seemed like it ha- you had to be, uh, the kids had to be at least five, maybe six. And even yeah. the older kids in the in the theater were getting a little restless with, you know, oh, the yeah. whole political bad guy versus, you know, good guy type thing. They were getting a little tired of that. Mm. They quieted down every time there were the animals on on the sure. on the screen and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, you're talking about two and a half hours, almost three. And then now what people are doing is they're not even coming in until a half an hour after the movie starts. Yeah. And then they're well, late, you know, and then they're putting on their cell phone so they can see where they're supposed to sit. And it's like, sure. here we go again. <laughs> well, you know, I will I tell screened... you. When the... Go ahead. I was going to say, very quickly, I was just going to say that uh, as soon as we left the theater, I said to Catherine, you know, I'd done seen about everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I screened, um, I didn't see the actual screening, uh, press screening, but my wife and, and I went to see uh, Shazam on Thursday night. And, you know, we're always rushing to get there, okay? We get there about five minutes before the movie was supposed to start. At least 20 to 25 minutes of trailers and commercials mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. before the film started. Now, on Saturday, we went to screen uh, with our two youngest, um, a new uh, stop-motion animated film called Missing Link. Uh, Hugh Jackman, mm. Zach Galifianakis, Zoe Saldana. A brilliant movie. Um, the kids, there were young kids in the crowd, didn't say a peep. I mean, they were fascinated oh. with this movie. Um, nice. It was an hour and 40 minutes, and no trailers, no commercials, no nothing. It just started at 11 o'clock when it should have started. So, again, a kid, kids with Dumbo probably weren't so tired of the film and so much as just, again, that's a long time, an extra half an hour tacked on to a film, um, you know, with these commercials and stuff that just doesn't pertain to them at all. You know, so, yeah, they just get restless. It's this whole idea of these kids having to sit around for that much longer is a bad idea. It's yeah, a bad idea so. for theaters. To, and, 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 you know, they need to advertise this crap. Okay, if you're going to say the film's going to start at 7, start it at 7. Don't start it at 7.30 after all the commercials and trailers play. I agree. I, one thing, I have a sneaking suspicion since uh, we had Tevin raving about the Avengers movies, mm-hmm. I think it was Tevin Pittman who bought that one ticket for opening day for fifteen thousand dollars. Wow. Fifteen thousand dollars. That all it's going for? That happened. Oh. That no. happened. Fifteen what? for one Why? movie ticket. Fifteen thousand okay. dollars. How psycho are you? It was probably one of Lori Loughlin's kids. <laughs> that I, I mean. I love movies. Tevin loves movies. Uh, we all do. Um, but that you're right. Mm-hmm. That is psychotic because guess what? The next person <laughs> behind it. you, they spent ten bucks. Yeah. Whatever. And what Jeez. are you going to get? The best seat? There is no best seat. Some people love sitting no. in the front row. You know. So what? That you know. You've got money to burn, pal. You know. When, yeah. you, when you spend fifteen mm-hmm. grand on a on a. A film like that, or any film. I don't yeah. care what film it That's is. That's Tevin. <laughs> I wish. Money That's to burn, Tevin, Tevin Pitt. Yeah, I wish. 
Yeah, I couldn't believe that. Honestly, got fifteen thousand dollars for one ticket. They they said they didn't know if it was for one or a pair of tickets. But oh, what's the difference? Well, you better buy out the whole theater yeah. <laughs> for that with the popcorn. Exactly. Well, then it's understandable. Exactly. This is a well, person just desperate, desperate for attention who wants to get their name yep. uh, yeah. in in yeah. the you know media somehow, and and live off that notoriety. You know that that's well, got to be again, it. it sounds Anybody, like Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, there you go, Kevin. I wonder if this was like a if there was like another ticket purchase in the past that was like close to this amount where they're like oh I'm gonna set the record for like the highest oh. yeah sale. maybe Andy would would you check that out or Which, you want me to do it like movie great is this? googly woogly any movie well, any movie that most ever paid <laughs> for one ticket for a movie just camping out yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stay there for four days that'd be good. I don't know. It's. Uh, I think you're absolutely right, though. It's like, I've already seen it. Let me tell you my take on it before you even see it. I think you're absolutely yeah, right. Ab- That's what yeah. this is all about. Whatever. Right. Whatever's right. But we, did you tell Tim we finally saw the mule? Yeah, we did see the mule. Yeah, I heard you talking about that. And I, I sent Lastman a link. I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but that is indeed based on a true story where this 90-year-old guy uh, was a drug mule for the cartels. And uh, it's, it's a New York Times article. I can send right. it. I'll, I can email it to you guys. Or I'll, I'll they Facebook had him do it. 12 or 13 runs. They've had him, a 90-year-old guy do 12 or 13 runs. Did he ever go to jail? I think so, yes. Yeah, the ending kind of left that open, didn't it? I mean, you knew yeah. he went to prison, but you didn't know what... They didn't tell the rest of the story. I thought there should have been a better epilogue with yeah. that, right. but there wasn't. So I, I could not believe that, that a cartel would count on a guy whose brain was not even functioning properly anymore. And by the way, I will why, tell you this. Why do you say that? Well, he's 90 years old. That doesn't mean his brain wasn't properly functioning. I'm a lot younger than that. He was doing a that. great Mine job. Function, function I mean, Clint had to play older. He was great. He's only 88. Yes, he's only 88. He had to play older by two years. Um, I loved Clint Eastwood. I loved Diane Weist. And I really think Bradley Cooper might be the best actor going right now. That guy's yeah, good, Yeah, I man. agree. He, he is and he's terrific. Just and slightly handsome. Okay. <laughs> slightly. All right, listen. Let me talk about the beautiful Diane Weiss that I saw in the movie. Oh, give me a break. You talk about how good-looking women are all the time, Dad. Constantly. I like women. Hypocrite. Raised by my mom and my sisters. Mansplaining. My my life is run by a woman now named Catherine. So yeah. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You just got around to seeing it. Yes, finally. Can you understand why? They held this thing off from uh, yes. critics and everything. I don't get it. It was, yes. a, it, you know, it's a great yeah. movie. No. It was. Uh, I I can see why because you know uh, all the all the drug dealers were Mexicans. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> which, were. Which may be true in the story, but that doesn't play well with politically correct yeah. Hollywood. Um, I mean, even the weird little dikes on bikes thing. It was like what. What? Why did they put that in there? It was well, weird. the dikes on bikes, yeah. What? Yeah, dikes on you bikes, know, just right. yeah. There was a lot of politically incorrect stuff. Oh, I'm gonna say this to Tevin. Have you seen the movie yet, Tevin? The, uh, mule? the mule? No, I have not. Okay, well, at one point there is a family broken down on the side of the road, so he pulls over to help him. It's a black yeah. family, a man, a woman, and a baby, a black family. And as he's taking the jack out of the trunk, he goes, "Hey, it's my pleasure to help you, Negroes." <laughs> 
<laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't saying it to be a jerk. He no. was just, you know, like he's ninety. Gee whiz, I'm helping. Yeah, old man. This was just a exactly. Year. That's the lingo yeah. he knows. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they they got <laughs> the a little they got a little bit upset about it, but they you know no, they were like, how about little. just people? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not called Negroes anymore. We <laughs> we prefer black or or just people. Yeah, people, just people be good. Just people. I think that's the stuff that made this film get held back. Yeah, probably. Well, look, it's it's great because again, written by Nick Shank. Is he St. Paul? Mm-hmm. He's is he from Minneapolis? Yeah, St. Paul. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Okay. You're absolutely yeah. right. I know his he's dad. He's not actually. afraid to write it. Yeah, he's not afraid to write this stuff. Clint is not afraid to say it because right. remember Gran Torino. Oh, yes. Now people might say, well, that was racist against monks. Well, yeah, <laughs> oh, obviously man. he was. That was bad. Big time. Yeah. But ultimately. You know, he came around and, and realized the error in his ways. So, you know, you know, I don't know if people, you know, if they just look at, at the face of it, yeah. I mean, yeah, he is a very racist character, but he, 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 he comes around and he learns. Mm-hmm. And, um, right. you know, but I don't, you know, it's to the point now where I don't know how many people in Hollywood would even take that chance. Uh, no. Of, of, no, you're right. That's what you I know, think, And that's where Eastwood's clout is so incredibly strong. And hopefully Cooper picks up this mantle because, in a way, I kind of feel like he's handling handing the mantle of the writer, director, producer thing to Bradley Cooper because Cooper was, I mean, I, I thought A Star Is Born was, yes, and and for a first time director, I mean, yep. it was crazy how yeah, really good, good that was film really was good. with all the responsibilities that he had. I mean, for that to be a directorial debut was phenomenal, like you say. So, yeah, I kind of felt that this film was that. You know, if there's another film that comes around, the reason Clint took it on was because it was written for a 90-year-old guy. You know, he's not going to go try playing a 70-year-old guy now because he's almost 90. He's going to be, I think, 89 his next birthday. So, because he he reportedly was retired already. Um, and, and clearly he will act. Uh, I just kind of think this is it for him. I do. I'm sad to That's say. That's what Catherine thinks. Yep. Uh, but we'll uh, take boy, a break. What a hell of a way we'll to go out. No yeah. question. We'll be back in a couple of minutes with the family. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Spring is here, and there's no better time to ditch your contacts and pitch your glasses. Whiting Clinic is the place I trusted to do this for me, and it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. 
Call now for Whiting Clinic's $500 off LASIK Spring Savings. If you're like me, not a big fan of glasses and contact lenses, then it's time you found out if you're a candidate for LASIK. And Whiting Clinic is definitely the place to go. Call 855-554-2020 today. Or visit whitingclinic.com to set up your free LASIK consultation. Remember to tell them I sent you and save 500 bucks on your LASIK. Offer expires June 21st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. This is an intricate, intricate guitar part. <laughs> Jive talking. Uh, I believe the year was 1988, I think. And Tony Lee, our good friend, good friend of the family, no doubt about it, great friend of the family, he wrote a new jingle for the Minnesota State Fair. And they wouldn't take it, though. Do you remember the jingle? No. You don't remember it? Uh-uh. Anybody remember it? Nope. No? Nobody? Okay, here's here's the jingle written by Tony Lee for the 1988 or 89 Minnesota State Fair. The Negro and the Jew go, why don't you go to the fair? <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> wow. How could they turn that down, Cassie? Well, how did he not have protesters at his door? Because <laughs> well, he's Jewish. So well, he's a Jew. So I don't know that. if that counts anymore. And then Tevin gave him the, fa- the thumbs up. You weren't even the born finger. yet. Wait a no, minute. That was, that was well mm. before my time. Yeah, Tevin gave him the finger. Exactly. I meant the thumbs up. Tevin was born and he immediately said, I don't want to live in a world like this. Yes, I don't want to live in a world with Bernard. You heard me. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, we saw Dumbo. We saw the mule. Terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, really liked both of them. The acting, I think, is really good, and neither movie was very political. Uh, there was a little bit of politics going on in Dumbo, but I thought Michael Keaton was great. I thought Danny DeVito. Danny was, DeVito was, was really good. He was really like good born to be a circus master. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he played the one arm. Yeah, <laughs> who's it? Yeah, he was. You're right. The way the mule was right. for uh, for Eastwood, the the circus director was for him. Yeah, no, it's absolutely true. Yeah, and who was the guy that played the one arm man in the movie in Dumbo? Colin Farrell, there you go. He was terrific, too. I always have liked him, though. But, uh, yeah, uh, I I would... I was going to say, I interviewed Colin and Danny for the film, and Tim Burton and and his... Oh, yeah, yeah, because I did a couple articles for it. And uh, this this was the second time... Danny was great. But this is the second time I talked with Colin Farrell. You, God, I hope you get the opportunity to talk with him on, uh, on the show here or KQ because what a nice guy, great guy. I mean, generally, really? it's hard to get, you know, gauge something in a five, ten-minute interview the first time. Yeah. But he was just as pleasant and, and nice and just really a, a lot of fun uh, the second time and heartfelt. I mean, you know, you could just tell the guy was genuine. So, uh, yeah, I really like him, and, uh, and he's great in the film, and... You know, um, yeah, everybody's great in the film. You know, uh, and and you mm-hmm. have to. Believe, did you love that little elephant or not? I love the elephant. Oh God, yeah. Uh, uh, well, let me put it this way: this oh, is full so reveal cute. to the world for me. So Catherine and I see Dumbo, and we're walking back to the house, and I said, you know, the only thing I did not like about that movie is I miss both of our kids horribly right now. It will remind you of when your kids were little. It's that good. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It just reminds you of when, you know, Alex was four and Andy was six and we'd go to movies like that, well, how much fun it was for Back them. in the old days. The old days. <laughs> <laughs> Every, you had to wait a year for a Disney movie to come out. Yeah, yeah you did. A whole year. Yeah, that's true. You know, and it was always like, oh, my God, the new Disney movie's out. It was always exciting to go to it. I'm telling so you, Alex. the you're... baby mine got to you, Tommy? Oh God! Catherine cried. Catherine burst into tears. Baby mime. I did. The I song. Baby. Yeah. Oh. The mom baby sings mime. it to Dumbo in the. Movie. And it was done in a wonderful way. Uh. And you know, it starts off with a ukulele, and one of the characters is singing it, and then they add orchestration eventually. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you, I'm not going to say the ending of the movie, but that's where I really the tears were flowing. I just thought it was such of a wonderful ending. Um, yep. So, it, yeah, it, you know, it, it's, it, it made sense. The ending made sense. The way I've been describing the film to people, it's kind of like a bookend to the original tale. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the yeah. end of the story finally. You get the what happened afterwards, and then you get the sensible way a film like that should end. I um, have So, right. yeah, I, you know, go see it. I just, again, I don't understand why, uh, you know, there's just a lot yeah. out there, and, and I think Cassie will agree um, with Shazam that's got a real big family-friendly appeal to it, so it's possible that some of those dollars are being directed that way, and because it's a superhero movie, and I think that, that pulled some people away from Dumbo, because it's, it's probably, Cassie, wouldn't you say the most family-friendly superhero movie you've seen yet? Yes, I, I loved Shazam. I actually thinking about going to see it again. Uh, well, it felt it didn't feel like a superhero movie to me. It felt like a comedy based around a superhero, kind of like how Deadpool is, but right. it's more yeah. family friendly. So I think you and Catherine should go see Shazam this weekend because I think you'd really like it. I was laughing. It was so funny. Touching moment. It was a good mix. The plot and storyline was great. So, well, yeah. We need something because well, she me, won't go see Pet Cemetery. Oh, don't go see Pet Cemetery. <laughs> no? No. You, let me get your take on this. Did you like Tom Hanks and Big? Yeah. See, this movie I like is Tom Hanks anyway. Tom Hanks, it, this is Tom Hanks in Big meets the superhero genre. Because you, what you have is this kid who gets these powers, these superhero powers. He's 14. And when he says Shazam, he turns yeah. into this muscle-bound adult. So basically you have a superhero with a 14-year-old mind who never was a, a comic book reader or anything like that. Um, or he actually paid attention to, to real-life superheroes because all the other superheroes exist in this world. You just don't see them. But Superman, Batman, mm-hmm. all those, it's just that in this particular place where this happens, um, this kid, again, he gets these powers, he doesn't know how to use them. So I kind of felt like I was watching Big in a way. So that, right. that's the sort of movie you should expect. It's, and Cassie's right. It is a lot funnier than most superhero movies are, especially for DC, because DC is generally really, really uh, you know, dark themes. Yeah. And, and right. now Marvel has turned into that with all the killing in their movies. <laughs> so it's like a flip-flop so, in a way. Right. Andy, uh, uh, we're having a, a movie star call in uh, during this segment, I believe. Has the phone been ringing? Uh, yes, we actually have him on the phone. We have a movie star on the on the line? A we real sure live do. movie star? What? Is it a real live movie star? What's going on? <laughs> Here's what I love. 
I've known Mike Lindell now for years, right? He, he came down and visited us uh, between Christmas and New Year's one year down in Florida and got to know Mike at lunch that day, and we've been good friends ever since. These people go, hey, how about uh, Unplanned? I said, yeah, I'm, I heard Mike Lindell produce that. He goes, well, he didn't just produce I said, what do you mean he didn't just produce it? Well, he's in it. I said, he's not an actor. What do you mean he's in it? He goes, yeah, he's an actor in the movie. So Mike doesn't bother to tell me that he's he's a movie star now. I didn't realize. The movie's doing very well, too. Well, he's a Minnesota movie star. It means he's got some humility left. <laughs> is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. So Mike Lindell with us. So how did this all happen? Well, let me tell you this before you, uh, before we, I just heard you talk about Dumbo. So I'm taking my granddaughter to the Mall of America to go see Dumbo on, uh, uh, this is just this weekend. And, and as I'm leaving her house, she doesn't know what movie she goes, you're not taking her to see your movie, are you? And I go, no. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably but, uh, not. By the way, we've seen... <laughs> We, we've seen Dumbo, and, I, and actually, uh, that is a great movie because I did. My granddaughter says, "Now, Grandpa, don't fall asleep like last time." And I go, "No, I, I like these kind of movies." <laughs> so, well, I was yeah. on the edge of my seat. It was an awesome movie, but um, but yeah, no. Last uh, last uh, fall or last spring, about this time, I'm going to Israel next week again. It was about the same time. I get a call, and I'm actually. Uh, leaving Washington, D.C. to head to Israel, and I get a call from a friend of mine I hadn't seen in three years or heard from him, and he's and he calls me up, and he's got two two producers, and he's a producer on the phone, and they go, yeah, Mike, uh, uh, we prayed about it, and you're going to be in our movie. Um, uh, we want you to be a, an actor in this movie. I said, well, what is it? I didn't pray about it. And, and, and he told me about this movie. <laughs> <story. laughs> I mean, I'm serious. I'm going, oh, wait. And it took me for a loop here, and I go, well, I said, what is it? And, and uh, they told me a true story, which I love true stories, and, and it was about this Abby Johnson that worked with uh, the youngest director ever at Planned Parenthood, and she's going to um, she let, see what was going on, and she actually witnessed an abortion. So she she left there and became this big pro-life activist, and and uh, it matched. It matched up. I got off the. I got off the phone. Talked to my gal. We prayed about it. Called him back. And I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll. I'll do it." And and then they said, "Well," I said, "But I want it to be a good movie, not just a movie that matches a message mm -hmm. I want out there." I knew it was right. going to be very controversial, but I said, "I want it to be a good movie that you would that you know that I can say not just some." Christian movie or some movie that's made poorly that has a good message. And I said, are you short money? And they said, yeah. So then I said, uh, you know, just a minute. And I, and I sent them the money. Um, it was a million dollars with no signed contract, no nothing. I felt led to do it. And, and, uh, and then I get back from Israel and they, right away they were filming. That was kind of like zero hours. So what would you do if I wouldn't have put the money? And they go, well, we kind of got in prayer that it was you or nothing. <laughs> so, wow. Well, oh, that's I, get, nice. I, get, I get back, I, I get back from Israel, and I go down. We filmed it at a secret place in Oklahoma, and for my scene, it kept getting later in the day, and and they go and there's 300 extras there, and I, though, you know, and I wanted to learn about movies because Tom, as you know, I want to do a movie from my life story when um, when, that, yep. when my book comes out, and. And I'm, so I'm seeing all these movies made. I see there's, there's at least 400 extras there. And they, and they got me um, driving this big rig and uh, this bulldozer. And 
And I had worked on a farm before, and the guy says, can you, uh, can you ride this? I go, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem. And uh, so, but, it, but it keep, we're going to do three takes of this, and to reset it would take hours. Well, the sun's going down, and all of a sudden I look over, and here's a stunt double without a mustache. I'm going, well, you know, what's going on here? And, they, uh, and I'm going, I go, and I said, I'm, I said, I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm, I'm not being in this movie if you're bringing in a stunt double. And uh, we get, anyway, all the producers get together and they're going, because you're only, now you're only going to get one shot at it. And, and they finally agree. And I get in there and I put this thing in reverse and I didn't take the emergency brake off and it was boom and, I go, and the guy's mouth is I can see that I mean it's it's deafening loud and I'm going oh and I'm going in this panic and I and I let off on the accelerator and the uh, the guy I could see the owner of the of the bulldozer he goes you didn't take the brake off and I so I stick my head out the window I go you know what do we want I tested it to see if we want it that loud I go you know what let's just do it the way we practice and I quick 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 grab it boom I pop it all the producers their heads are spinning going what's going on all of a sudden I just oh please God let this be good let this be good bam I put it in reverse and it and it went perfect. Well, you see in the next scene, I'm out there going, I'm celebrating, but I'm celebrating that I actually pulled it off. Not the expert, so it became very real in the movie. What they had the scene, you know, hold your head up and everybody's cheering, and I'm going, wow, I actually did. <laughs> but it, uh, I, it, was that's pretty, a... it was pretty amazing. And then. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, Tom? Yeah, yeah. but they, and that then now to see. To see where it, when it you know when it came out, I was at the red carpet in Hollywood, which was very, you know, that's a whole other world for me. And and we're doing that, and to see now where the you know the controversy now that's out there with what's going on in New York and Virginia and uh, and these places that uh, it was uh, mm -hmm. for me it was God's timing or what's what's uh, you know for at least for what my message and and it's kind of it's kind of amazing that they said the movie you know it was. They gave it an R rating, and we couldn't go. We couldn't advertise on certain stations. They shut us out. Um, they went that uh, there was music. There was uh, uh, record labels that would not let uh, music go on this. That they stopped it. So it was really a lot of fight. And for this to do the numbers it's doing is pretty much uh, is very amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of big. I should reveal the people because you're, you're too humble to admit this. But in the the movie about your life. Mike Lindell wants Danny DeVito to play him, which I could see, you know. <laughs> <laughs> On the same size well, guy. Was, you he know. Crack, was he a crack? Was he a crack addict too? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, he sure seems like it. That's all I know. I think it's terrific, Mike. And I just, I, I all of a sudden you're a, you're in the movies and nobody, you didn't bother to tell me, and everybody's telling me, oh, you, you see Mike in the movie? I'm oh, like, yeah, what are you talking about? So whatever, I'm sorry but uh, about that eh, what are you gonna do? You're kind of busy. <laughs> you know, I'm out there. I'm yeah. out there. I was gone for three weeks from Minnesota, and I'm going. And they had me on one venue after another, one radio or one talk show after another. I'll bet you I've done probably 50 different uh, TV and radio talk shows out there, but it was all in California, and they just scheduled them one after another. I I've mm. never done a thing where you sit in a room and then. They just come through. It's like a flash, you know. You say the same thing every time, and you got to, you know, putting emotion behind it. It's, it's it's all been a new space for me. And but uh, 
I felt bad all the time. Tom calls me up and says, uh, what are you doing there, uh, Mr. Movie Star? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, dude, I didn't say anything. Exactly. God. <laughs> well, um, you know, I'm happy for you, obviously. And, and uh, listen, I, I, I'm going to probably announce one of these days that I'm going to become vice president of promotion for my pillow. So I'll just get my own jet and fly to Israel. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> that's, right. that's awesome. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm doing the. Uh, I'll t- yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. I'd love to bring you over there. The, uh, we, um, we, uh, wait right now today, you know, I mean, this is all leading up. I'm using my proceeds to help people with addiction and stuff. And they, uh, just mm-hmm. today, just today being able to speak at the team challenge again, that what I told you about before Tom, that re- that recovery network, that Lindell recovery network, yeah. I was down yep. there today, actually getting, asking all the addicts, what do you think of this? How is this going to work? And I'm telling you, everyone, now these are addicts that have made it through, and they're going, wow, because for the first time, we're actually going to be doing something where the addict is actually the person trying to get, I'm going to try and get the addict help, convince them, like, as my sales pitch to them, not that what other, what other people are doing or other, they monetize the addiction business going, oh, yeah, and they're trying to guilt yeah. the addict's families into getting them help. And to, oh, you know, break into your savings and do everything you can. Your addiction is a yes. disease. And then, oh, oh, you're out of ins- you're out of insurance. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, next, next. And uh, that's terrible. And it so is that's, terrible. Uh, it is. It is. It's horrible. It's horrible. And and uh, when it'll be it'll be funny when a lot of these centers want to get up on my uh, on my platform. I'm going to say, talk to the hand. You didn't. You took advantage of me before, and you're and these are. You know, um, you know, <laughs> it's an easy life for you. It's all anyway, I know. Mike, I will talk to you tomorrow well, on the KQ Morning Show. It's a lot of fun. And I appreciate... lot of fun. Absolutely. Yep, thanks, I appreciate Tom. you calling. Thank you, man. Yeah, thank Have you a good for day. Yep, thank ah, you. Absolutely. Yep, we'll be back in a couple of minutes with the family. What are the things you want to avoid when it comes time to sell your home? Hey, it's Tom with my realtor, Chris Lindahl. If you're like most people, it's things like open houses, staging, decluttering, repairs, maintenance, and all the people coming through your house. Hey, Tom, the Guaranteed Offer Program from Chris Lindahl Real Estate was created for people like you so that you can avoid the things that you don't like doing when it comes time to sell your home. We have been presenting offers for homes in most price ranges. Homeowners are loving our guaranteed offer program, especially how much money they are making on their home sale without the inconveniences. So this program is for all price ranges and conditions, including perfectly maintained homes? Most homes do qualify. To see if your home qualifies, go to chrislindahl.com and click Get Offer right now. Will you be the next homeowner to accept an offer from our guaranteed offer program? Find out now. If you qualify, you will get an offer in 48 hours or less, and the best part is you get to pick a closing date that is convenient for you and close in as little as three weeks. Go to chrislindahl.com right now to see if you qualify or call 763-401-SOLD. That is 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. 
We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with the family. You know, it's interesting to me. I want to get you guys' takes on this because, you know, we have pretty much a range of ages on this show, which is one reason I like doing this show because they're, Tevin, you're 27 now? Yep, 27. Yeah, 27, Alex 30, Andy's 32. Cassie's 17. <laughs> yeah, so, I wish. <laughs> but, I mean, we have we have people that range in age from, like, 27 to 67. So I think that's a, a good range. I uh, Look, I don't have a position on this whatsoever. I just want to ask you guys a question in that they wouldn't let them play music and they wouldn't let them promote. Uh, I understand that he has a different position, and I don't really have a position on any of this stuff at all i you know i never went through it so i don't know what that feels like okay so you know, what whether... is his movie like what is it about i don't even it's about a young woman who worked for planned parenthood and then she she witnessed an abortion and then decided she was pro-life okay which a lot of people find oh my god it's disgusting well yeah. they get their opinion as long as they're not trying to shove their opinion down your throat which both sides do by the way I don't understand why it is that, that all messages, because there are some people that are pro-choice and some people that are pro-life. I'm kind of like stuck in the middle. I, you know, I, I've never experienced it, so I don't have well, a strong opinion. It's such on. an emotionally charged exactly. issue. And, you know, it, it's just, I think that women who are under, what, 40, 35, 40, they've mm-hmm. never had to worry about whether abortion was legal or not yeah, it's just always well, has been legal so right. it's kind of like taken for granted in a way um i mean i don't understand really why the why the government has to get involved with this whole thing i think that should be between a woman and her doctor personally uh, because of laws i guess i guess but it, it's just you know i don't know what's going on in america with this you know post-birth abortion i'm, I'm what yeah i know uh, it's just well, that's it's all very though, confusing yeah. and and laws are different in every single state and i i wish we would have had more time with mike because i wonder that's a big risk for him to come out with this movie big why, risk but that's my question why is it a big risk cuz there can be two sides to every look if if, if you're not going to force abortions on anyone I, I don't think you can force anyone to have an abortion and by the same token i don't think that pro life people should force that on the other people either uh, you shouldn't, you know, let's not force people to do something they don't wish to do. Uh, I, like I said, I've never been through it. I, I don't know, you know, I, I imagine it's very emotional for people that do go through that whole situation. Well, I think you'd be surprised how many people have had abortions. It's a well, lot. Well, no, no, I know it's a lot a of people. Lot. And I guess, you know, I, I guess, I remember one of the biggest uh, bits of trouble I ever got on the KQ Morning Show is that a listener called me and asked me if I was pro-life or pro-choice. And I said, I can't really take a position on it because, you know, I've never been part of an abortion or anything like that. So I don't really have an opinion. But by the same token, I think about half the people on earth should have been aborted. So I got in a lot of trouble over that. That wasn't but, nice. No. Oh, it, was a, no, it was a bit of an overstatement, you know. I, yes. I don't know. It's it, That's the whole thing. Life is so precious. Uh, I don't know. Like, is the position that if they, they, if they wish, you know, if they're pro-choice, mm-hmm. There's a possibility of having children. I don't know. I, I really don't want to get deep into this argument because no. I don't really have a strong position. I support both sides. You believe what you want to believe, but don't shove it down other people's throats. Either way, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, 
you know, I mean, I think personally that it has to be legal just because, you yeah, know, probably. there are yeah. people that, you know, I mean, rape victims, incest victims. Uh, yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, there's there are definitely situations where, of course, of course. But if you're using it as birth control, I feel that that's wrong. Yeah. But that's my personal opinion. Right. And which you get to have an opinion. Yeah. Right. So. I know, but I it's, know. Hard, like but it's hard because at the same point, it's like, should, like, this sounds morbid, but, like, is the baby better off not being born to a family that would just, you know, yeah, like, really. potentially abuse it yeah, and yeah, not right. give a crap about it and just, you know, not treat it with any sort of respect or love? You know, it's... Well, and yes, there is, yes, there is adoption and stuff like that, and everybody always says that, but a lot of these people wouldn't even go through the work to have these babies put up for adoption. It's like they just no. have it and then just be like, man, I never wanted just this baby anyway, yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm just going to like do meth and go on with yeah. my life. Child, you know? yeah. So it's like, it is hard. It's very hard. I mean, nobody respects yeah. a baby's life more than me, but it's just like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've never been through it. You know, that's just how we've not been through the situation, so we can't speak to either side of that. But I, uh, you know, it's just a situation where how many times a year do you see on the news that a young man uh, is charged with babysitting their their child and he beats the kid to death? I must I must see that 10, 12 times a year. Yeah, it does happen yeah. a lot. It I, I say it's lot. almost weekly, Tom. I think it's weekly. Is it really? It's it's. It's prevalent, man. Well, I'll tell you, look, uh, part of my, I do a lot of freelance stuff, and and one is is copy Mm -hmm. editing. Um, News copy from all over the country. And honest to God, every week I read a story like that. Every week. Really? And the thing is, the thing is, if not more than one, and the thing is, um, this is what's most disconcerting, is that the youngest victims, it seems like, as far as the courts are concerned, or the way that these people are sentenced, it's like they have the least respect for these young, defenseless victims. It's like these people right. are out in right. such little time. Yeah. You know, where is the justice for, you know, people fertilizing? Like, like you say, the boyfriend, you know, uh, the mom goes to get something at the grocery store, the guy can't stand the kid crying, so the guy, you know, uh, kills the kid or something like that. And right, nothing happens. Right. They, they go to jail for three or four years, and they're out already. I, and that, that's what else like, I read that often, too. It's like, where is the justice in that? For, for, again, the youngest and the most defenseless people on this planet. That's just wrong. Yeah, me. it's true. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's a very tough issue, this whole situation. And I, like I said, I really don't come down on either side. That the, You do what you need to do with your life, and I respect that. It's your business. Uh, no matter which way you choose it, right? It just right. I will make my own decisions. And, I, don't you know, know. I right? wish that people just understood more of the weight of like human life. No, I understand, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, both ways, both yeah. ways. Yes, and then you know, with, with the... oh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, 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 no. You're oh, no I was, was going to say, like, and then where Mike comes into it too, with making a movie like this that brings kind of attention to it, and now you're trying to promote it, and people mm-hmm. are scared, whether they're pro. What pro-choice or pro-life? It's like they don't want to offend half their audience if it's on radio or on TV, and so they just ignore it completely because right. they're like, "Well, if we promote this movie, yeah. people might draw the assumption that we're this way." And I mean, people have turned the channel or turned the dial for less, so they want to protect their bottom line. Yeah, I understand that completely, and I don't really understand why we can't respect everyone's opinion. We've gotten to a situation in the United States right now. It's just 
It seems politics getting more vicious by the day, and it really has got to stop. It just stop spending all of our money on nothing. And would you just try to make America a better place together? I know you don't like one another. There, I've worked with lots of people I didn't like. I worked with a couple of people I couldn't stand, but I worked with them. Right? Oh, yeah, I've worked with people I couldn't stand. Yeah. Yeah. Desk was right next to me, but I still worked with them. Yeah, you can do it. You can get it done. You so, talking I don't about know. Tom? <laughs> yes, I'm sitting right next to her right now. I can't stand Thanks, this guy. Thanks, Tim, for calling me out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I just all the time. I can't stand him. <laughs> if I could find, and I think the Wall Street Journal is about as close to a newspaper you can get that's kind of in the middle. Uh, they do a pretty good job. I wish I could find a TV news thing. Uh, that did the same, you know, as far as <laughs> middling, what? I just, every time I think about the news now, I, I think, you know, I, I always was like, Ugh, Fox News, Ugh, oh, CNN, Ugh, gross. And now that the Mueller, 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 whatever his Mueller, name is, the, the report, and, and Fox was right, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in this world? No, it's, you know, one thing I have noticed, and I brought this up on the morning show, because we, you know, they put in this new digital system at the radio station, and it misfires and blah, blah, blah. Over the weekend, I noticed this, because, well, I started paying attention after the first one. There was a woman on Fox on Saturday morning, and she was reading a story. She was, well, she was talking to the camera about a story, but what they're actually doing is reading it off a teleprompter that's over the lens of the camera, so it looks like they're just making up as they go along, but they're actually reading a script. And at one point she was, she goes, uh, I, uh, look, I can't read the rest of the story unless you scroll up, you know? And I, I paid attention. Three more people on CNN, MSNBC, whatever those things are, People are floor directors and camera people, and I don't know who's in charge, but they are not doing their jobs the way they should be, like they did back back in the old days. Why? I mean, you're working at a network show, a big national show, and you can't do your job? Mm-hmm. They're probably getting paid well, peanuts because you know, they're... I, I heard you talking about this this morning, Tom, and one right. thing that I guess I don't understand is... Okay, locally. I mean, I do TV locally, and your anchors usually have a script, I mean, literally Mm -hmm. a paper script or an iPad to look at, because obviously there are camera transitions, but you do have your copy on there, so why the hell not just look down at your script and read it off the damn script? I don't don't get that, why, why you would go without a net there in case something like this happens. So, you know, well, part of the I fail, I think, also falls on the person, too. I mean, you know, you can't, you can't no, depend can on technology all the time or people. So basically, basically, two people didn't do their jobs then. The, whoever was supposed to scroll the script didn't do it, and she didn't have a backup. So neither one of them did their job. Right? Yeah, it just seems strange to me. I'd like to see the, the clip. I wonder, I'm sure you could get on YouTube or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> You're... You know, because, you know, it's, believe me, man, I mean, I've been on sets many times where the person hasn't scrolled or whatever, you know, because I'm reading it right, right along with the anchor or whoever, is, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you have your, your copy right there, because, again, you need, you, know, you could have a floor director pointing you to camera B or camera C or whatever, 
But, uh, you know, you also have those cues on your script. So, again, she should, she, is it a he or she? A, a she? It was a woman. It was a woman, yeah. Yeah, she should have had her script. She should have had her script. That's all I can Yeah, see. I understand. One, uh, the other one that happened was on CNN, because I started paying attention. You know, I kind of intentionally watched these shows and paid attention. There was a point on CNN, <laughs> these three people were talking about, I don't know, whatever it was, it didn't matter. But uh, the two anchors were sitting there. And uh, and I don't know why there were two anchors. There's usually only one on CNN, but whatever. But in any case, um, they were looking in the camera, and one person turned to the other and said, you're up. <laughs> they didn't even know they were supposed to be talking, which I don't understand how that happens. I don't get that at all. Oh, yeah, live television. live. You know how much fun it, it is, right. Tom. Right. Live television, live radio, live podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, some things just, you know, it's not clockwork. It, You know, there's something every day no, that's true. that goes on. So, yeah. It is true. So you're, you're trying to talk me into going to the Avengers Endgame with Catherine. Is that what you're trying to do? Uh, I, I'm not. <laughs> or Shazam. Shazam is what Cassie wants to go yeah. see. Oh, yeah. That's a, yeah, Cassie says that. Yeah, it, it's an enjoyable movie. And it's about, look, this is a theme I really love about it. And maybe because uh, I'm an adoptive parent, too. But this is a, about a family of foster kids. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and all these kids live in this foster home. Um, uh, with a married couple who are foster kids themselves. So it really gets, I thought, in the, at the end, uh, very emotional, uh, to the point I was tearing up. So, I mean, how often do you get that out of a superhero movie? You don't. That's so, true, yeah. you know, there's, there's a wonderful family theme in there that's throughout the entire film. It wasn't just a cheap thing to get your goat emotionally at the end. I mean, they... It, 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 that that right. family theme runs throughout, and I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, there mm-hmm. was a true story in there. Not, yeah, you got the crash, boom, bang with the good guy and the bad guy and all that, but you actually have a story on top of it, which I thought was really cool. Catherine decided now's the time to play with the dog, so he's down here <laughs> I'm here, <growling>. yeah. <laughs> can you hear him? Uh, yes, unbelievable. of course we can. <laughs> and then he Bobby. squeaks, squeaks, squeaks the toy. <laughs> All right, Timmy, I will talk to you on Thursday on The Q. Uh, indeed, I'll be talking about Missing Link. So we'll talk about it I then. like it. I appreciate right. it. Have Thanks, Timmy. Have a good day, Timmy. everybody. Yeah. You too. Yeah, so to be clear about this whole hour, as a matter of fact, um, nobody's taking a position on anything here. Um, so it's not I agree with this, I agree with that. It's up to the individual, pretty much, is the way I look at it. Uh, so if you believe one way and somebody else believes the exact opposite, I think we can still live with one another, right? As long as you don't stick your nose in other people's business. Does that make sense to you guys? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll be back for hour two with the family.